Well, this morning we are on week six of an eight-week series called Songs of the Summer, where we're unpacking the book of Psalms. And today we're going to be looking at Psalm 103. So I'd like to start off by reading the first section of this psalm. This psalm was written by David, King David. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This psalm speaks about the faithfulness of God. There are two words that really stood out to me as I reflected on this psalm and as I meditated on it. Forget not. Forget not. You see, here is David stirring up himself and saying, David, remind yourself, forget not. Forget not the God who created you. Forget not the God who loved you. Forget not the God who forgives you. Forget not the God who is good to you, who crowns you with love and compassion. You see, God does not forget. God does not forget his people. God will never leave us nor forsake us. He is totally committed to us. Our God is faithful. But we are not. In fact, if you read through the pages of the Bible, you will realize that there is a recurring theme that the people of God forget about their God. And we too are no exception. Today in 2016, we are the people of God. And we too can be prone to forgetfulness. Sometimes that's a momentary forgetfulness. But sometimes that's a persistent ongoing forgetfulness, where little by little we move further and further away from the heart of God. And we forget about who God is. We forget about his majesty. We forget about the goodness of God and how much he has blessed us. And we forget who we are, that we are God's beloved, chosen children. And maybe that's why David wrote this psalm. David was actually called a man after God's own heart. And yet even David had moments, chapters of forgetfulness in his life. He knew what it was to to forget about God. He knew what it was. He knew the pain of turning his face away from God and forgetting about his blessing and forgetting about his goodness. And David says to himself, I don't want to live like that anymore. I've learned by now that life just does not work without my God, without the God who is faithful. And so David writes this psalm and he he sings to himself, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not. This morning, I want to just take three snapshots of the life of David, three Instagrams, if you like. And I want to look at some of the signs of forgetfulness. 
You see, forgetfulness is a heart issue. Forgetfulness begins on the inside of us, but it has an outward manifestation. It begins to show up in the things that we say. And so I want to look at what is the language of forgetfulness. And I want to contrast that with the language of faithfulness. You see, faithfulness too has a language. It has a vocabulary. There is a song that we sing as the faithful, beloved people of God. And so I want us to look at that, the contrast between the forgetful and the faithful. And so this morning, we're going to go on a whistle-stop tour, if you like. So I hope you came to church ready this morning. Because you need to fasten your seatbelts and we're gonna we're gonna walk, we're gonna we're gonna go right through the book half the book of one Samuel. <laughs> and we're gonna look at some of the snapshots from David's life and we're gonna learn some lessons. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Are you up for the challenge? Okay, let's go. So the first snapshot, the first Instagram is in 1 Samuel 17, and it's the story of David and Goliath. At this point, this is only the second glimpse that we've had of David. The first time we see David is a couple of chapters before when God sends the prophet Samuel to anoint David in a secret ceremony. The reason it's secret is because King Saul is still on the throne, but Saul has disobeyed God, and so God's already chosen David as the next king. And so we come to this story, the story of David and Goliath. Saul is still on the throne. He knows nothing about the secret ceremony. And the Philistines, who were an enemy of Israel, the people of God, they come against them. And so there's this battle that ensues. You've got the the Philistines on one hill, and you've got a huge valley in between, and then the Israelite army camp on the other hill. You see, the Philistines had a secret weapon. In their army, they had a giant named Goliath, and he was indeed a giant. In fact, the Bible tells us that he was 10 feet tall. I'm five foot, so that's two of me. Some of you are looking and thinking, that's not that tall. He was a giant. He was 10 feet tall. And not only that, but he had all the gear. He was, he was coated out in armor from head to toe. And you know, the people of God, the Israelites, they looked across the valley at the others on the hill, and they were terrified. You see, here's the first sign of forgetfulness. They were so focused on the enemy, they forgot about their God. They forgot that God was with them. But you see, into this scene steps David, a man after God's own heart. David actually wasn't even meant to be at the battle line. The only reason he was there is because his dad sent him with a packed lunch for his older brothers who were in the army. But David walks into that battle and he looks at Goliath as he comes out and taunts them and every day walks up and down and says, give me a man to fight. Give me a man to fight. And David looks at Goliath and he says, who is this Philistine that he would defy the armies of the living God? You see, David remembered. David looked at that 10-foot giant and said, they might have a 10-foot giant on their side, but the Lord is on our side. The Lord is with us. Saul, here's King Saul, who's on his throne. He, stayed at, he stays in the palace, all warm and cozy at home, while the, the army are in battle. 
David goes into his presence and David says to Saul, listen, don't let anyone lose heart on account of this giant. I will go and fight Goliath. And Saul, King Saul, takes one look at David and he says, <laughs> David, come on. You're, you're too young. You're, you're too inexperienced. Are you, David, you can't go out and fight Goliath. You see, the forgetful say, I can't. I'm too young. I'm, I'm too inexperienced. But David, faithful David, he stood there and he said, no, Saul, let me tell you about the God that I know. You see, I've been a shepherd for many years. And when I've been out in the fields, let me tell you, there were times that were terrifying. When a bear would come or a lion would come and they'd attack the flock. But you know what? In those moments, I experienced the presence of God like nothing else. And God helped me to rescue those sheep and he helped me to rip that bear and rip that lion to pieces. God saved me, he protected me. And let me tell you, Saul, the God who rescued me from the lion and the bear will also protect me from this giant. The forgetful say, I can't. But the faithful say, God is able. There's one name that conquers every fear. There's one name that makes the blind eyes see and deaf is here. Praise be the name of Jesus. Praise be the name of Jesus. There's one name that makes the devil tremble. There's one name with power, he's the king of earth and heaven. Praise be the name of Jesus. Praise be the name of Jesus. The forgetful say, I can't, but the faithful say, God is able. I want to encourage you this morning, where in your life are you saying, I can't? Where in your life are you saying, I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too inexperienced? Stir up your faith this morning, faithful people of God, and let's begin to sing and declare over those places in our life that our God is on the throne and he is able. Amen. Amen. The second Instagram, the second snapshot of David's life is the story of David and Abigail. So at this point in David's life, things are not going too well. Saul is very jealous of him because David actually goes out, he defeats Goliath, and he goes on after that point to, to go and to lead the Israelite army into many battles, and David gets a reputation. I mean, everybody is talking about David. Even the women are singing songs about him. He's famous all over Israel, and Saul is jealous. In fact, he's so consumed with jealousy that he tries to kill David. And so David has to flee, and he's on the run. While he's on the run, some men come and join him, about 400 men come and join him. They're men that are also dissatisfied. They're not happy. They come and join David on the run, and, they, and David becomes their leader. And you know, David continues to follow God and he knows he, he experiences something of the faithfulness of God even on the run. But one day, it gets too much for David. You see, him and his men needed some food. And David had heard about a man called Nabal who was really wealthy. He had 
so much cattle, you would not believe it. Not only that, it was sheep shearing time. And in those days, there was a tradition that actually, after that, after the sheep shearing had finished, they would hold a huge festival, and they would celebrate, and there would be literally mountains of food. But not only that, David and his men had actually protected those shepherds. When they'd come and their, their sheep were grazing near where David and his men were staying, they protected them. So David thinks, this is a no-brainer. I'm going to call in that favor, I'm going to go to Nabal, and we're going to get some food, not just any food, we're going to have a banquet, and we're going to, you know, we're going to get some, have a great feast for me and my men. So he t- sends 10 of his men to Nabal, but Nabal is having none of it. Nabal looks at the men and he says to the men, why should I give my food and my water that I've worked hard for and my men have worked hard for to somebody I don't even know. Who is this David? And who are his men? I mean, so many people are breaking away from their leaders these days, and he sends them away empty-handed. Well, David, faithful David, David, a man after God's own heart, he just flips. He's like, right, men, get your swords. We are going to Nabal's house, and we are going to kill every male in his household. And so they set off on this journey, they're frustrated, they're angry, and David, you know, you can hear the forgetfulness in his language. He says, you know what, guys? It was useless. Why did we bother protecting those shepherds? Why did we bother being good to them? You know what? I'm all alone in this. Nobody cares about me. We're all alone here. You see, the forgetful say, I'm alone. Little did David know that actually, behind the scenes, one of Nabal's servants had run all the way home to Nabal's wife, Abigail. Abigail, Abigail, she says, Nabal, David's men are on their way and they're going to kill us. They came to David for food and she tells a story. And, And Abigail acts quickly. She goes to the storehouse where they've prepared all this food for the banquet and the festival. And she just takes off loaves and bread and cakes and she just loads it all onto the donkeys and she sends her servants on donkeys laden with food. I mean, this was not just bread and water. This was wine and cake and freshly baked bread. And Abigail joins them. And you can imagine this scene, can't you? Just the contrast of these angry men coming down the mountain and they're hit with this scene of these, what I imagine anyway, Serene, because ladies are always serene. These serene ladies arriving on donkeys with freshly baked food. I mean, what could be more wonderful? And in that moment, there's this, there's this scene, and but Abigail gets off her donkey, and she prostrates herself on the ground. And she says, David, forget not. Forget not. You see, Abigail was wise enough to understand that this was not about the food. David had lost heart. He got discouraged. He was weary. He was tired. And in his weariness, in his tiredness, he had forgotten. He felt alone. And so Abigail steps out and she says, David, forget not. Forget not. She begins to speak into his life. She begins to prophesy. That literally means to communicate the heart of God. She begins to say, you know what, David, don't give up. I know things have not worked out the way you planned. But God knows your name. 
God knows your name. The faithful say, God knows my name. And David, in that moment, it's like he just has this, he's like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, for sending this woman to remind me that I am not alone. I am not forgotten. God knows my name. You know, when I think about that, that phrase, God knows my name, it always reminds me of when Musoto came to visit us. And they used to sing that song, and I wonder if actually it was David who devised the moves, you know? And he was like, I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten. God knows my name. I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten. I am not forgotten. God knows my name. He knows my name. (laughs) The forgetful say, I'm alone. But the faithful say, God knows my name. The third Instagram, the third snapshot is um, of David and his mighty men. It's 1 Samuel 29. So after years on the run, David and his men finally get a place to settle. They're given a place called Ziklag, and they settle there for just over a year. I mean, that must have been amazing for them after years on the run. But one day they go out to fight, and they come back from the battle. And after traveling three days to get home to their wives and children, they arrive at the city, and it has been completely destroyed. The whole city has been burnt, every single part of it. Their wives and their children and everything they owned has been carried off by these enemies that have attacked them. And the men are devastated. And they begin to weep and weep and weep. In fact, the Bible says they wept so much they had no strength left. And in their brokenness, they began to point the finger at David. And they began to say to David, this is all your fault. You brought us here. You're the one that led us out to the army, so we left our families unprotected. This is all your fault, David. You see, the forgetful say, I am broken. I've lost everything. But here was David. David strengthens himself in the Lord. David finds comfort in God. And after he's been comforted and strengthened by God, he's able to get up and and he speaks to the priest and he says, come on, let's, let's pray and let's seek God and ask God for what to do next. How do we move forward from here? And God gave him a plan. And they set out. David had with him at that time 600 men who joined him on the run. 200 of them were too exhausted to go into battle. So David goes out with 400 men and they catch up with these enemies and they recover everything. Not a wife, not a child, not a possession is lost. In fact, they plunder the enemy and they come back with an abundance of supplies. But you see, as they're coming home, as they're reaching these 200 men that stayed behind with the supplies, the men, the 400 men that went out, went out to fight, they're, 
They're angry. They're like, you know what, David? This plunder belongs to you. Let's not share it with these 200 men. They don't deserve it. They haven't earned it. You see, the forgetful say, I am broken. And they carry that brokenness into the next season of their life, that it comes with them. But you see, David had strengthened himself in the Lord. He had received that comfort that was so necessary in brokenness. And David turns around and he says to them, no, guys, no. We are not going to do that with what the Lord has given us. You see, David remembered that it was God. God was their deliverer. God was their strength. God was the one that had enabled them to be successful and recover everything. And he says, the, the, we're going to share everything. with every, Whether they stayed behind or whether they came with us, we're going to share it. He said, in fact, I'm going to send gifts from everything we've got to every single person that has helped us over the years while we've been on the run. You see, the forgetful say, I am broken, but the faithful say, God is my strength. And, you know, I, I just want to share about a time in my life when I felt totally broken. And, you know, as a child, actually, I lived, a lot of my childhood, I lived in fear because of the way my dad treated us. And, in fact, as a 21-year-old, um, I'm one of seven children, the second eldest. And my dad went away for a weekend, and we ran away because we were so scared. And, you know, I survived that experience. And in my early 20s, I, I was just so glad that he wasn't in my life anymore and I could be free. But I never received the comfort of God. And I began, as I matured and as I became a Christian when I was 17, and as I matured in my faith and as I matured as a woman, you know, I, I began to notice there's, some, there's something wrong. I don't react in the same way other people do. I startle easily. I'm hypervigilant. You know, I, I notice things because I've been so used to living on high alert. And I realized how much this had affected me. You see, it was okay. I didn't really care about the fact that I didn't have a dad. Because that was my childhood. That chapter was over, but now it's affecting me as an adult. And I felt frustrated, and I felt angry, and I'm like, you know, and I can remember there was a Bono, when, when Steve shared in the first week, Bono talked about singing the songs when you've been through those tough times. And I remember there was a song written by Kelly Clarkson. Because of you, I never strayed too far from the sidewalk. Because of you, I learned to play on the safe side so I don't get hurt. Because of you, I don't know how to trust not only me, but everyone around me. Because of you, I am afraid. Because of you. And I felt the frustration of that. The anger, the, the sense of this is affecting me now. It was okay when it was back then, but this is now. 
But I want to tell you that there is a God in heaven who comforts you. You know, one of the breakthrough moments for me was when I realized that God was there in my childhood. Do you know I became a Christian when I was 17? One of my first memories of praying was when I prayed with my four-year-old brother because it was kicking off at home and he was scared. And I took him up to his bedroom and I helped him put his pajamas on and we sat on the bed and I was afraid, I didn't know what to do, but as his older sister, an 18-year-old, I just thought, let's pray. Do you know what, in my heart, I didn't believe God was gonna actually answer it. I just did it to help him. And I sat on that bed next to him, four-year-old boy, and I just prayed, Jesus, please, let my dad, let my mom go. You know, in that moment, the door opened and my mum came out of that room. And I looked back and I, re- I looked back and I remembered God was with me. And God knows and God understands and he has seen my pain. You see, no one will ever love you like Jesus. No one will ever love you like God. You know, he created you. The Bible tells us that he knit us together in our mother's womb. His eyes saw our unformed body and all the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them meant to be. Do you know that God has never taken his eyes off you? Not for one single moment. He is totally committed to you. And let me tell you, there is a God in heaven who cares about you. He knows your name. He is able And he is your strength. So I want to encourage you. You know, I I did get help. I've had counseling. And and that's been part of the process for me. But I want to say that God has healed me. God is my healer. And he has healed me. And I don't live in that brokenness anymore. It's not my identity. I am a child of God. I am chosen by him. I carry his presence. I don't need to be afraid anymore because God is with me and he is my strength. I want to encourage you this morning, you know, sometimes the reason why we get stuck is because we've just never learned to just pour out our heart to God and tell him, you know what, God, I am broken. This has broken me. This has this is messed me up. But we come to him in that brokenness and he, the master potter, is able to put his back together, piece by piece. Can I ask the band to come up? I want to ask you today, are there any signs of forgetfulness in your life? Are there any things in your, in your language, in your vocabulary that says that, that you've forgotten about God? Because you can do that, something about that today. You see, the amazing thing about Psalm 103 is it tells us there's always a way back. No matter how far we've gone, no matter how far we've stepped away from God, there's always a way back because he is faithful even when we are not. God is faithful. God is faithful. So as we're going to stand in a moment, we're going to sing this song that speaks about trusting God in the seasons when we don't understand everything. And I want you to just ask 
God, in your hearts, God, show me all the areas of forgetfulness in my life. All the areas where I need to bring some realignment, some refocusing on you. Just ask him to speak to you. And he will. And then Josh is going to come up and he's going to pray for us. So let's stand.